Hi, everyone, and welcome to Consulting with Authority. This is your host, Scott Cantrell, joined by a dear friend and an incredibly talented gentleman today, David Saltzman. Uh, David is the CEO and founder of the Saltzman Group. He is a fractional uh, chief marketing uh, executive and is a certified story brand guide, really works with organizations and individuals to help them find their message and attract more high value clients. David, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. That's my pleasure, Scott. Thanks for having me on. It's always nice to get together with old friends, even if it is two-dimensionally. That's right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, hopefully we'll, we'll, uh, we'll solve that problem in just a little bit. I'm looking forward to seeing you in person in a couple of weeks. Indeed, um, with perhaps some alcoholic beverages. Yes, yes, absolutely. We'll make that happen. We'll definitely make that happen. That's um, why you're my friend. <laughs> it was one of many reasons. One of many reasons. Indeed, indeed. Um, uh, David, I want to dive into, obviously, your expertise and really um, pull some of that out for the benefit of our listeners and viewers who you know are independent business-to-business consultants. But before we do that, maybe give a, a, a quick overview of your background and um, you know some of your career highlights and how you got to where you are. Sure. Um, kind of in a nutshell. I mean, I started in a completely different industry than I've worked most of my life, and I started in offshore apparel manufacturing. Um, until one day in 1978 or 79, I don't recall which, some otherwise lovely fellows with automatic weapons came into our plant in El Salvador and took the plant over in the name of the revolution. Wow. Um, and the State Department subsequently dunked me in the grease despite their uh, assurances that they take care of us. So I, I decided to go into something that was a little bit safer. So in 1981, I went into the insurance business, and it has been an amazing career. I've had the opportunity to do so many things. Uh, for the first half of my career, I was a straight commission salesperson, uh, and then I became president of our National Trade Association, the National Association of Health Underwriters, which was great. Learned all kinds of new skills and learned that I don't ever want to work in Washington, D.C., uh, because <laughs> it is 20-something square miles surrounded by reality. It is indeed. It's just a different place. Right. Um, and then a friend of mine called and said, hey, um, I, I need a president for my third-party administrator firm, and I want you to do it because I don't want to be the president. I want to be the CEO and go make business happen. And um, so I did that until we sold the business. And I've worked for a couple of carriers. I worked for Humana. Absolutely great gig. I was the Southeast Regional Consumerism Director, mm -hmm. so that was fun. I worked for Division of Medical Mutual of Ohio, which was also fun. Um, and about six and a half, seven years ago, some friends of mine um, at an agency in Massachusetts made me an offer that I couldn't understand, but I decided that I was going to move back up to New England and be their chief marketing officer, which I still am, in addition to all the other crazy hats that I wear. Um, and along the way, about 10 years ago, I decided that the thing that I liked the most about selling and all the other pieces that I had done, including being president of NAHU, was helping people by telling stories. Because I think they're, mm -hmm. they're very, very powerful and an order of magnitude more powerful than any set of facts you can put in front of everybody. That's why we've been doing it for 2,000 years. We haven't had Excel spreadsheets for 2,000 years or, thank you, Lord, PowerPoint for 2,000 <laughs> years. Um, but, but, you know, we've, we've been telling stories. And um, about three years ago, um, I read a book called Building a Story Brand by Don Miller and was very excited because it put into place the last couple of cogs that kind of dropped into the, into the wheel there. Um, and I called Don and said, hey, um, is there any opportunity to come down to Nashville and study with you guys? And he said, actually, we're having a class. We've got this thing called Certified Story Brand Guide. And I asked how much. And then I picked myself off the floor and I wrote the check and it was the best thing I ever did because it really helps me to help my clients not only tell stories, but understand the journey they're taking their customer on 
mm-hmm. and, and what pitfalls to avoid in doing it. Uh, and so that's kind of where I am. And I, I do exclusively marketing now and um, and just happy little clam doing it. That's fantastic. Um, and I, at some point when it's appropriate, I got to dive into this crazy story. I don't think we had even ever talked about the events prior to your work in insurance. So if or when that's appropriate to talk about just, to, just we can talk about it whenever you want. I just don't normally bring it up because it's so far in the rearview mirror, but well, it was, it would gave me a great understanding of not to trust the damn government. Yeah. Well, sure. No, I mean, that's, that's a crazy, crazy thing. Um, yeah. But, uh, you know, everybody's got weird experiences that happen to them and you take from every experience and you learn and you apply it to what you're doing going forward. If you're smart about it. Sure. Well, and the other note too, uh, just to tie everything kind of together here is every experience that happens, right? There is an application of a story there, right? There's a story that can be extracted from it and probably applied, probably, maybe not always, but probably applied to something that where someone else can get benefit or meaning from it, even if they're not dealing with the exact same experience. No, and the story always mm -hmm. takes the same form. There's a a main character who's got a problem. Mm -hmm. They express that problem three different ways, internally, externally, and philosophically. What they tell other people, what they tell themselves, and then what their deep underlying belief is. Um, And they meet a guide. And the guide shows empathy and authority. The guide says, hey, no sweat. I've been down that road before. I know a better way to go where there aren't as many potholes. Mm -hmm. And if this is your goal, let me give you a plan. And the guide gives, gives them a plan, one, two, three, four. And the guide paints a, a picture of what life will be like if you follow the plan and what life will be like if you don't follow the plan. Right. I've just given you in maybe 30 seconds the plot of every movie and the plot points of every novel that you've ever written, that you've ever read. Yeah. Because it's story theory and it's thousands and thousands of years old. But that's that's how we craft stories. That's the matrix we use on which to craft the story for each particular client. Yeah, that's phenomenal. And so let's let's dive into that work just for a second. Uh, Tell me a little about about your consulting model and the work that you do with clients, maybe the types of clients that you serve um, and then the, the nature, you know, not not nitty gritty details, but just the nature of the work that you're doing with and for them. Well, you know, the first thing is that I try to be respectful of the agency that I'm working with up outside of Boston, although I'm down here in Tennessee now, we're kind of across the state from where you are. Right. Um, I try to be respectful of them. So we don't emphasize insurance clients because I don't want to sure. create any conflicts. Right. Um, but I've had clients that range every place from people who do cloud computing to uh, a fellow in Austria who's a Tony Robbins trainer, mm-hmm. um, who's also um, a wonderfully nice fellow and the, uh, the voice of the Austrian national soccer team, Very or football cool. as they call it there. Right. Um, you know, so I've had clients in all different walks of life. Um, and the, the model, it, the model started out very simply with, I was going to take them through this story brand process and get them the deliverables that come with it, mm-hmm. which takes that long seven piece outline that I just gave you and boils it down first into a one page narrative yeah. and then into a one liner, which is sometimes one liner, sometimes it's two. And then they know how to approach their clients and they know how to, how to frame that story. And then it kind of grew from there. It was, okay, well, can you look at my website? And most websites are someplace between dreadful and terrible. Um, And because a lot of them are very pretty, but I look at them and I have no idea what the heck anybody does. Sure. Um, One of the things that we learn as guides in, in trying to help people craft their story is if you confuse, you'll lose. Every client has just so much mental energy and they use it to thrive and to survive. If you can't tell them quickly what it is, the problem that they have that you're going to solve, they're going on to the next website. Forrester says now it's 13 seconds. 
If somebody can't find something on the web in 13 seconds, they're on to the next website. So you better darn well be crisp and clear and concise. And when you shoot that arrow, it better hit the bullseye first time because you're not getting a second time. Yeah. Anyways, the practice wound up. I, I ended up doing more and more stuff. I, I, I do a lot of copywriting for folks. I do a lot of um, copy that goes online on social media and elsewhere and magazine articles for clients. Um, and then occasionally a client will say, well, I still need help with stuff. And, well, you know, that's nice, but our agreement is run out. And, and so I created a model where for some clients, not a lot, but for some clients, I take on the role of a fractional CMO. Mm-hmm. And for pennies on the dollar of what it would cost for them to go hire a chief marketing officer at my level, um, they have now a certain number of hours a month of my time, and we help them continue to market their business. So it's, it, it's been an, it's been an evolution. It, it, I never actually thought that it would be where it is now, but I'm I'm thrilled with it because it gives me the opportunity to help folks in a lot of different ways. Yeah, in a lot of different ways. But the, this is a you know hearing you describe your model is something that I'm working to build in my own business. And that is, you know, to use a cliche word or a buzzword, but, but I mean it, I mean the word, and that is the word synergy. There, there seems to be an integration from hearing you talk. There's a natural integration or a natural progression of your services. In other words, they're not conflicting with one another and are not cannibalizing one another. One leads to another if and when the client needs or wants it. And I see so, you know, because of the nature of the work I do, it's primarily with other consultants, independent business business consultants. And so often there's either redundancy in their service structure or their product structure, uh, or there's really meaningful gaps. Not to say that somebody needs to be the jack of all trades because they do not, right. but but within their own expertise, there's something that that their clients probably want and need that they're not offering in any shape, form, or fashion. They're not even, you know, have a referral relationship in, in place. So it's a, a missing piece of the puzzle. But then there's oftentimes the types of solutions or services where they don't know which one to offer because there's some kind of conflict between them. In other words, you know, maybe a client really needs product or solution A, but they'd probably buy solution B and I get paid more for solution B, right? So there's this internal conflict and so forth. But it sounds like the way that you structured your model, we begin here. Well, and 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 to coin the phrase or to use the phrase, it's the hero's journey in many ways. Because mm-hmm. it's it's you, David Saltzman. We'll dive into this more, but it's you, David Saltzman, that's playing the role of the wise man, of the guide that's leading the hero through their journey. So you're meeting them where they are. You're giving them as much guidance or wisdom or work as they need or want in that moment. And you're, you're available to do the higher level work, um, you know, as there is a need or desire. Yeah, I mean, there's there's no question. I think I've been on the planet. I've had enough trips around the sun to understand that at the end of the day, all the work we do is ephemeral, but the relationships are what survives. And, you know, when I work with a fellow like Ronnie out in Austria or, or all the clients that I've worked with, the relationships are really what matter and those, those endure. But what you and I know, Scott, that a lot of people don't know is that marketing is a journey and it really never ends. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think you have to set yourself up. If you want to be a long-term practitioner and you want to build those, those long-term relationships where you get referred to other folks and where po- people appreciate the work you do, you do, or like a call I got last week with a client I worked with two years ago who called and said, you have no idea how much good you did for my business. I want, you know, it's like it's you're great. a proud, you're a proud papa, you know, it, it, it's great, yeah. but that's what really matters. I, I think if you don't take clients on the journey that way, you're peddling crap. Yeah. 
And, you know, I don't think, I, I think the, the notion of peddling a product and being a good marketing advisor or consultant, if you prefer, I, I, I think, I think they're complete and total opposites. Hmm. They, and, and that's the way I went about building the business. So, so dive into that a little bit more, because I think this is a, this is a, I think a really important paradigm shift in a world where me as a consultant, and I assume this is true for other consultants based on conversations, we're constantly bombarded all the time from, you know, marketers marketing to us, right? Mm -hmm. How to sell your business faster, how to, you know, uh, create the perfect offer, you know, do all the huge, grand, hyperbolic, exaggerated promises and so forth. And our clients, the people that we serve are also bombarded by those messages. And it is easy. I'll use the word seduced. It's easy to be seduced by these offers because, you know, it it goes straight to what you're talking about. So much of that is peddling as opposed to relationship building. And so maybe explore a little bit of what you said about being a marketing advisor consultant, as opposed to just focused on, you know, making a product sell. Yeah. I I think, you know, one of the things I learned early on in my business career is that you help people, you get what you want in the universe by helping other people get what they want. Right. And all through my journey of the, you know, going through the chairs at NAHU. And I said, I learned an awful lot of skills and an awful lot of things, but through that journey, one of the things that was my North star was this concept of servant leadership. Mm -hmm. Um, And it, you know, it's whether you go back to Greenleaf and you read those books or you read some of the newer authors, um, I always take the position that I'm their leader, so I have to follow them. And that means that I give, I give the client an awful lot of space to help define what it is they're trying to accomplish. If I don't understand what they want to accomplish, I can't help them. Other right. folks may be able to. I'm not selling a course. I'm not selling a book. Um, although I'm working on one, I'm not selling a book. Um, what I'm doing is creating hyper-customized solutions for each particular client and sometimes each particular market that a client serves. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, one of the things that's a challenge to talk to clients about, because you're getting so intimately involved in every aspect of their business to understand how to serve them well, one of the thing that, things that's often a challenge is to remind them that they may offer two different product lines, but you can't talk about them at the same time because you create confusion. Right now, if all you're doing is peddling a product, that's a very difficult, I think that's a very difficult conversation to have. If on the other hand, you're truly offering a service in the best sense of the word, it's the conversation you have to have and you've built the bridge. So the client allows you in Mm -hmm. to have that conversation because at the end of the day, and I know this sounds corny, but it's all about the client. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. But if you're out peddling product, it's about the product you're peddling. Yeah. Right. Or uh, where some are, it's about, you know, if the ego is driving the car, uh, then it's not just about the product. It's not about the client. It's about the individual selling the product. Right. No, there's, there's, um, there can't be any ego involved. I mean, I, I right. just, I just had a client who was, I, I was trying to get them squared away on the difference between a personal and a corporate LinkedIn page. Mm-hmm. And they've got both, but they always do everything through their personal page. And, and at the end of the day, I said to them, all I can do is give you my advice. You're the client. You have the only vote that matters. Yeah. And they said, well, let me think about it a little bit. And I got an email this morning that said, I know you think I'm wrong, but this is what I want to do. And my answer was, we'll make it work. Right. Right. I'm not the decider in chief. I'm the consultant. Right. Yep. Yep. Exactly. And, and after a certain period of time, 
you either, you know, either the results come or they don't. And, and that person still gets the deciding vote of whether they change course or not. Yeah. My, Uh, my goal is to get them to the point where they organically realize that what I told them, I thought they should do was the right thing to have done in the first place. Right. Then they can come to their image in the interim. Yeah. Then they can come to their own conclusion and change their mind. They have to, they have to, you know, my, my daughter's a brilliant businesswoman. One of my two daughters, they're both brilliant, but she's, she owns her own business and, and she draws a big distinction between consulting and coaching. Okay. Yeah. And you know, there's a little element of coaching in what I do that, that kind of an experience that we just talked about. Most of what I do is consulting. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure I have the patience to do coaching per se, because in coaching, it's, it's kind of like therapy, right? You, you have to, you have to take the person on their own journey and just kind of help put little mile markers out in front of them and help them grasp for the next one. And ultimately they come to their own realization. Unfortunately, marketing can't be that way because most of them think they're marketers and they're not. And that's why they're talking to me or to you or the other people who ply our trade. Right. It's a really important distinction. I'm glad you brought it up because, you know, we obviously have people listening and watching who some would only define themselves as consultants. Some would only define themselves as executive or business coaches. Many you know, wear both hats depending on the client or the individual they're speaking to. So I think that distinction is a really, really important one. And you're, I hadn't thought about, I had not thought about that issue from the standpoint of marketing, but you're absolutely right. So much of what we do in marketing is removing the ego and the subjectivity from it and replacing the subjectivity with obviously objectivity right? Metrics and measurement and what's been proven to work regardless of how you feel about it. Um, and that's a difficult, that can be a difficult um, shift for certain individuals and organizations to make. But again, based on principles, based on strategies, based on approaches, based on results, you know, we have to, it, trying to convince or show, I guess, educate the client about the objective nature of what's best from a marketing standpoint, that really is a consulting function, less so of a coaching function most of the time. Yeah. Correct. And and as I said, like, as with this client, you know, there are elements of coaching where I'm going to give them enough information and hope that, you know, they watch the process wend out and they come to their own conclusion and say, you know what, we probably should have done that. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it's completely up to the client. And, And if that's what the client needs, and if that's how the client... I think more important is that this particular client was comfortable doing business that way mm-hmm. and that to bifurcate their, their LinkedIn experience with such a bright, right, bright red line would have been uncomfortable. And it might mean that after I leave them, they're not going to do what I suggested they do. And then I've taken their money under false pretenses because I haven't helped them. Un- understood. And, and the other thing that I'm reminded of too, related to that exact example um, and I've fallen into this trap more times than I care to admit, but I'm thinking of uh, a, an example with, with something relatively elemental, uh, a CRM. Mm-hmm. Uh, and someone says, oh, I, I need to be more organized. I need to have more process. I need to get a new or a CRM installed in my, in my business, right? And then the question is, well, which CRM do I use? Uh, which, how do I choose? There's all these different options. And of course, the answer is you choose the one you will actually use. Right. And so even if it's not the perfect strategy, right, even if it's not the perfect CRM, if you're going to actually do something meaningful with it. Right. And I'm thinking of your LinkedIn strategy here. If they're if they're if a if their comfortableness is required in terms of activity happening, I'd rather have that. Uh, 
even if it's not perfect, as opposed to them being uncomfortable and doing nothing. Right. Absolutely. It's, you know, yeah. in, back, back in the day, as I said, the first half of my career, I was a straight commission salesperson and I sold a lot of disability income. It's a product I love. Mm-hmm. And clients would occasionally ask, well, what, what's the best policy to have? And the answer is real simple. It's the one that's enforced when you get disabled. Doesn't yeah. matter what the name on the paper is. Yeah. And that's, that's the same thing here. It's, you know, if, if the goal is to help the client go on that marketing journey, as we talked about a little while ago, they've got to be able to sustain it on their own. Right. Right. Good. So let's, I want to go back to the concept of story brand and maybe dive a little bit deeper into that. So I'm a huge Don Miller fan. Uh, The book is somewhere on the shelf behind me. Uh, Probably a couple of his books are on the shelf behind me. Um, You gave us a fantastic overview of the, of the general hero's journey, but in terms of how that might be applied through an example or through a story or through, you know, thinking through this in a strategic way, how, how can that be applied to, um, you know, an average business consultant who is working to get in front of, or have better, more meaningful conversations with their prospective clients? That's a, that's a great question. It's really the seminal question. Um, I, I see so many folks that I talk to, obviously not that I take for clients, but that I, folks, I just talk to at, at meetings and, you know, where we're networking and whatnot. And they tell me the same story. They tell it in a variety of different ways, but they ultimately tell me the same story, which is, you know what? I got a great product. I've got a great solution. I, I, I can get appointments. So I, I get to go see somebody in the C-suite and I'm five or six minutes into my presentation and I know I've lost their attention. Their eyes are like on, you know, shiny squirrel or whatever, right. whatever's next. I don't understand what I'm doing wrong. And one of the things that we talk about in StoryBrand is that you have to build a story that is your client's story and that invites them in, especially true with C-suite individuals who are generally possessed of rather healthy egos. When you come in, you can't be the hero because they're the hero in their story. Yeah. And they're not going to listen to you. Additionally, to be honest with you, um, folks who come in with these ginormous PowerPoint decks and presume that they know what my problem is before I've spoken to them, even if they do, and a lot of times as a salesperson, you know exactly where you're going to end up. Right. You have to let the client be the hero of the story, and you have to be the guide. And so it, it, it boils down to, in large measure, being much more simple and austere, you talked a little bit before about sometimes marketing being a reductive process, and, yeah. and it is, because if you're reductive enough in the right way, then what you become is crystal clear. Mm-hmm. And if you're not crystal clear, you've lost the ability to capture somebody's attention. Look, the, the deal is real simple. There's a, there's, there's a researcher named Daniel Kahneman mm-hmm. um, who wrote a, a book called Thinking Fast and Slow. Basically, his, his thesis throughout his entire career, and he, ultimately he proved it, is that when we as human beings make decisions, we don't make them with our prefrontal cortex. We don't make them with the reasoning part of our brain. We think we do, and I'll explain that in a minute. But we actually make them with the limbic system, with the old mm-hmm. dinosaur brain, which means that the decision I'm making is based on emotion, right? not on fact. Now, over thousands of years, we become terrifically adept, sometimes at our own peril, at instantly using the prefrontal cortex to rationalize that decision. Right. Um, you know, I, I bought this new piece of gear. Did you need it? No, I have 14 microphones. I just wanted it. 
but I will come up with a plausible reason for buying that microphone. Well, it's useful in this situation, or when I do voiceover, I need a different kind of microphone than I need this because I wanted to buy it. Right. But the decision was purely emotional. Right. You have to understand that that's how your client operates. So if if you go in, I mean, I, I was I was on a call with our agency earlier today, and I was talking to some of the salespeople, and they were talking about this whole highfalutin way of going about talking about the sale and whatnot. I said, well, you know, these are folks who deal in employee benefits for for the audience. So these are folks who knock on employers' doors and say, hey, um, I can help you fix an employer an employee benefit plan. That's great. Does great things for your employees. That helps you retain and attract talent. All those right. things that you want to do. And I said, if if I were still out selling, I I wouldn't bring anything in with me except a pad and a pen. And I'd ask two questions. Question number one: Why do you have a plan of benefits? And then you have to do the thing that's the hardest for a salesperson to do, which is stop talking. Right. And after they've told you why they have a plan of benefits, you ask the second question, which is, How's your current plan meeting those goals? Now, you probably know the answer to both of those questions. If you're a savvy salesperson, you've done your research, you know the answer to both of those going in. Why don't you just tell the client that? Because yeah. now it's not their story, it's your story. Yeah, yeah. So it, 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 that's the whole, the whole thought process behind StoryBrand, because the technology, as I said, is not new. It's 2,000-year-old you know, story theory. Um, and there are folks who have written theses on it and it, it, it's brand and, you know, Don, interestingly enough, Don original background was he was a Christian author. Right. And, you know, I guess he started looking at all of his, his writing and thinking, wow, there's a similarity here. There's a pattern. And so he decided to take story theory, which is really arcane and difficult for some people to understand and put it into a framework that's accessible to everybody. Yep. And it solves those problems that sales organizations and service organizations have. Um, and it, it, it sometimes whittles down all the way in, you know, to their websites. How many websites have you seen that are gorgeous, but you have absolutely no idea what the heck those people solve or what sure. product they sell? Sure. Yeah. If Forrester is right, and we go back to that 13 seconds of attention on the web, I've lost a prospect. Right. So... You have to confuse the, the shtick that Don does on stage is um, he talks about just how much attention you have and when you finally lose that attention. And he has an assistant bring him a bowling ball, a genuine, real live, whatever they are, 16-pound bowling ball. And he said, now, if, if, if I were just holding one bowling ball, I'd probably do that for a while. And then another assistant comes and brings him another bowling ball. And by the time he gets to the third bowling ball, they drop on the stage. Yeah. We give prospects and clients three bowling balls before they open their mouth. And ask them to juggle them. <laughs> yeah. And, we, and we've, we've lost them. They're yeah. gone and they never come back. Yeah. So That's a great if metaphor. you're not clever with crafting your story in, in according to the story theory and making it their story and hitting that emotional cord where decisions are actually made, you're going to have skinny kids. Yeah. One thing that I wanted just to, to put a flag in for my own benefit, if not for the listeners and viewers um, and this was, I, I don't know if you articulated this or if you just very clearly implied it, but I wrote down that clarity and simplicity, I put in parentheses, clarity and simplicity leads to attention, or maybe a better way to say that clarity and simplicity allows you to hold, to get and hold attention longer. That's really, um, I think and, that's, that's better said. Yeah. So, so I, I will tell you my own experience reading story brand, 
uh, in going through that and, and Don's material as a rule. Leonardo da Vinci, one of my favorite quotes, Leonardo da Vinci said, the ultimate sophistication is simplicity. And going through Don's material, what was profound to me was how clear and simple the process is. Mm-hmm. Um, because it n- number one, it, it made it obtainable and achievable in my mind, right? I can do that, right? I get it. I understand the framework. I can do that. Obviously, I need help. <laughs> you know, I'm not going to be able to craft the right story immediately. I'm, I, you know, there's a lot to learn there. But conceptually, the framework was very simple and, and clear. And maybe you can speak a little bit to that because I, ha- I know myself enough to know that I have tendency of overcomplicating. Even I'm a marketing guy. I overcomplicate my own marketing work, my own marketing messaging, right? In fact, yesterday, I was just crafting um, uh, a LinkedIn message that I was going to send out to a few folks about something I'm working on. And I, I, as I, as I do, and this is my process, I wrote it down and I zoomed out and I went, went away for a second. I came back and I looked at it and I was like, that is way too long. <laughs> I mean, I just overcomplicated the whole thing. It's like, mm-hmm. I, I got, I finally got to the point where I was asking the two questions that it, subconsciously that you just asked, which is, you know, why am I sending this email? What is the ultimate goal sending the email? And then how is this message that's in front of me right now achieving that goal? And the answer was, it's not going to achieve the goal because they're never going to read that much. So it was slice and dice and shorten and da, 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 da. And I came out with a message that, in my opinion, probably still not, not as good as it could be. But for the purpose, it was clear and it was simple. Maybe speak to that from the standpoint of, of creating this this story that you talked about and how the client, how the consultant has to make the client, the hero, they are the guide. And you had these other beats that you talked about at the beginning, external, internal, and philosophical. And maybe we can focus on that. Cause I think people intuitively understand, or, or at some level they understand, okay, I get that the client has to be the hero of the story. So they'll pay attention. It's about them. I get to be the guide because I'm the one with the expertise and skill and knowledge to help them, the wisdom to help them along the way. But I think where a lot of people get stuck, and you and I had this conversation before, you know, so much of the work that I do is around the implementation of something. You're a messaging developer. You're a story crafter. Um, And so maybe we can focus on that external, internal philosophical belief, because I think a lot of people who are selling something meaningful, they get stuck on that. They don't even know how to even break that down to think about how to answer those questions. Right. Or they don't even they don't even consider it oftentimes. Uh, Correct. Yes. Well, I'll see your Da Vinci and I'll raise you an Einstein who said, if you can't explain something simply, you don't understand it well enough. Yeah, that's great. When I, and I'll, I'll get around to the, to the, to the, the, the heroes problems or the main characters problems in a moment. But um, back, back in the days when I was selling, um, you know, you learn a lot of lessons when, if you don't make a sale, your kids don't eat. Um, And back in the days when I was selling, you know, one of the things that I always thought was the absolute best compliment, especially selling individual disability insurance or income replacement, if you prefer to call it that, which can get arcane and complicated. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's a lot of contract language. It's not like life insurance. You're dead. We write a check. You know, disability insurance is really convoluted and complicated. The best compliment I ever could ever get from somebody was, you know what? I've had somebody explain that to me three times. This is the first time I actually understand it. It's a great so compliment. Yep. It is. And I, I still think today that that's one of the best compliments you can have is, is you know, to try to under, to try to explain something in a way that makes it simple. 
you know, Hemingway is reportedly to have been asked to write a six or however many words it is sentence that that was an entire novel. And, and the, um, the sentence was baby crib for sale, comma, never used. Now, if you uh. think about that for a moment, that's, that's very evocative. You can't be evocative. We're, we're back to Kahneman's research and, and making decisions based on an emotional plane rather than on a, a logical, rational plane. Right. Okay. If, if you don't understand the three levels of your, of your client's discomfort, external, internal, and philosophical, you can't really help them craft a story that makes sense to them and to the people they're trying to sell to. So the external, and I'll go back to health insurance because it's something everybody buys as a business person and, and we, we all know it. The external might be, I'm sick and tired of getting these dang stupid rate increases every year and having to settle for the least worst renewal. Right. The internal might be these insurance costs are eating my business alive. You know, that's not something that you'd necessarily say to somebody at a cocktail party, but you'd say the external part. Yep. The philosophical part is the part of them that says, this is insane. There's got to be a better way. There's got to be a way that I can provide these benefits for my employees without going bankrupt and without saddling them with tons of out-of-pocket costs, essentially giving them a, a membership card that they really can't use. Right. They, they get functionally uninsured. That's a whole different level than, to, to quote the guy who ran in New York on the rates are too darn high, you know, the rent is too darn high. Yep. That's a whole different order of magnitude level than I'm paying too much. Gotcha. That's the gut level piece, which is, I, I want to be paternalistic. I want my employees to have great health insurance. I want them not to have to worry about that. But I'm yeah. getting to the point where I can't afford it, and I feel as though I'm letting them down. Yeah. If you're, if you're now listening to this podcast and you're hearing a little bell go off, it's going off because we just hit the emotional trigger that we talked about 10, 15 minutes ago. If you can't understand those three levels of the client's problem, it becomes much more difficult to craft a solution that is not only a practical solution, but one that they will take to heart, that they will incorporate, that they will make part of all of their marketing and all the things they do. And in a lot of cases with the work I've done with clients, it's the first time anybody's had that conversation with them. Sure. And it's the first time they go, holy crap, there is a higher mission here. There is a different purpose. It's not just, I need to paint the house. <laughs> right. So, you know, it, it's critically important that at that early stage of, of deciding how you're going to tell that client story, that you understand those three levels. Because your solution, the story you craft, has to solve all three levels of that problem. It's not just a superficial, I want to sell more. Right. There's more to it than that. And that's why... Smart marketers like you and like me who've read Don's book think, no sweat, I'll do this for myself and get halfway through and call Don and go, hey, can I come study with you? Yeah. No, it, it, it's the, again, the framework concept is simple and, and that's really important and it's clear. And I certainly understand the value of it, putting that in, putting it into practice, operationalizing it, getting it crafted properly. Yes. Having someone like you go along the way to be the guide, continue the metaphor is, is incredibly valuable. And you know, one thing that you, you gave me a, a shift that I hadn't 
even when I read the book and it's been a minute and I need to go back and reread it. And that's what this conversation is reminding me of. Um, but one thing that I didn't take away or, or I just forgotten that you reminded me of here is that these three things, the external issue, the internal issue, the philosophical belief part of it, these are, these are based. It's, it's a depth question. It's a, like you use the word level. It's a level question. I, in my head, for some reason, visually, I had them side by side to one another and it, thinking, oh, I have to deal with this and that, do that and do that. And I wasn't thinking about them. The, the internal is a, is a deeper, more primal echo of the external. And the philosophical is a deeper, more primal echo of the internal. I hadn't considered it in that way, mm-hmm. but it makes perfect sense to, to hear you talk about it. And the, the other thing that, that I wrote down, which is what you just said, which is these three things go straight to the why behind a solution, the why behind an organization, the mission, the true mission of, of an organization based on the impact that they want to have. Beyond, yes, of course, you want to make more money. Of course, you're in business to make money. But to what impact are you going to have on the people that you serve? And these three things go straight to that because that's what the client cares about. They care about the impact that it's going to be made on them. I don't because know why I don't know why I, why I lost that, why I'd forgotten that these are depth and level questions. And I even wrote next to them. I don't know if this is a practical application, but I wrote next to head. I wrote head, or next to external. I wrote head next to internal. I wrote body and next to philosophical. I wrote heart. Um, and I don't know if I don't know if there's a perfect parallel there, but it's just a way for me to frame it in terms of thinking about, you know, what do I think about this? How do I uh, how am I acting about this? How am I feeling about this? It's just I, thank you for reframing that because I had lost that. Yeah, Don, Don doesn't really go into that level of detail, but I found it really with those three things. But I found it really helpful to help clients understand that, because at the end of the day, if, if you're trying to legitimately solve a problem, you're mission driven. If you're mission-driven, you don't know what the hell your mission is, then you're not mission-driven, you're just driven. <laughs> right. And that describes yeah. 95% of all type A business people. We're all driven, Yeah. but that's not really the issue. And it goes back to the conversation we had about servant leadership. Right. It's I've, There's a higher reason, there's a higher purpose for me to be doing what I'm doing. Simon Sinek calls, calls it the why. You just mentioned that yourself. Yeah. Um, and if you can't understand that, the rest of it is just window dressing. Yeah. It, it's a Potemkin Agile. It's, it's a village with false fronts where there's nothing behind it. And you can't capture people's emotions and help them get that emotion to frontal cortex sale made unless you understand that. Gotcha. Gotcha. So one more place I want to go. Um, we're, we're getting close to time here, but hopefully we'll have time to at least touch on this. Let's make an assumption that someone's gone through this story branding and creation process, and it may not be perfect, but they've got they've got the essence of of who they are, what they're trying to achieve in this format of of story brand. What are some what what then? What's next? What are the first steps from an application standpoint where they start to utilize um, now that they've got this paradigm, they have the story. How do they start to apply it? in terms of their engagements with prospects or clients or on their website or in, th- in through other vehicles and media? Well, you know, I, I kind of describe the process as a distillation. You start with a broad discussion of these seven components. Eight now, if you, if you include, hey, this is what life will look like if you don't do this. Yeah. And for some clients, that's necessary. For others, it's, it's not. And then we, we reduce that. We kind of, it's kind of like dehydrating it. 
mm-hmm. we, we reduce it to, to its sub essence, which is a, a narrative, a one page or a two page narrative that incorporates all those pieces. Yep. The Holy grail is to reduce that further to its essence, which is the one liner. So the first thing that we tell clients to do is take that one-liner, plaster it all over your office, make sure every one of your employees understands it, buys into it, knows it, et cetera, because that's going to be your North Star. That's going to drive all the other marketing communications that we do. Once that's done, then we start saying, okay, now we get into the more practical, which is where do your clients live? Where do we meet them? How do we find them? And then how do we apply the stories that we need to tell in those venues, whether it's magazine articles or thought leadership pieces on LinkedIn, or whether it's audiovisual content or some combination of all of the above, um, or it's other social media content. Um, it, it's, it's all goes back to, and when, you know, it's nice because once you've done this work and you've laid it all out, if a client kind of goes off the reservation a little bit when they're in their talking, go, no, 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 let's go back to what we worked so hard on up front. And so now you have a guide, you have a, a, a North star, so yeah. to speak, that you can come back to that informs all of the decisions you make about website. It, it informs the decisions you make about social media. It informs decision about your written content, any collaterals. Um, even if you're doing radio spots or I've got some clients that I've coached to go do podcasts. In, in markets that are appropriate to reach the clients they want. Mm-hmm. It's all the same. It's the same in your PowerPoint. It's the same in your webinars. So you yeah. then take that essence and you sprinkle it across all of the media that you're doing because it all has to reflect your true North. Otherwise it's, it's just junk. It's just noise. It's yeah. word salad. Right. Right. And yes. And again, this is, these are frameworks that I love the clarity and simplicity of them because where so many people get caught up and I'm, I'm talking about myself from time to time, I'm certainly talking about my clients from time to time, where they get caught up is in the clutter of the message. They understand who their prospects are, usually pretty well. Mm-hmm. They understand the mechanisms through which they need to access and engage those clients. What are the media channels, distribution channels, those types of things. Um from my work, I'm helping them implement those types of things because they usually don't have the capacity or capability to implement or operationalize it on their own. Mm-hmm. But where so often people get stuck is, okay, great. Now, what do we say? And what's the best way to say it? And what you're suggesting here with the story brand and these eight components and reducing it to the narrative and the one-liner and using this story brand as, I'm, I'm restating what you said, but it's locking it in my own head. Um using that story brand as the reference point from which any other and all messaging is born or comes from. And it all should point back to this, the essence of what you were communicating in the story brand, because that presumably, if it's done properly, that is going to scratch those itches of external, internal philosophical belief. It is going to properly articulate the type of value and uh, results or outcomes that you can create for those individuals. So why would you why would you stray from that? If you stray from that, then you're you're pointing someone in the wrong direction, right? Away from who you are and what you do. Yeah, there's no question. If and if 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 you want an example of who does it probably better than anybody else, as we're recording this, Apple's about to have an event on March eighth. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you want to see folks who really understand all of this, watch those Apple events. First of all, in the last event that they had last year, 
the word you and yours was used 18 times more than any other word. Wow. They're selling arguably really expensive computer stuff. Yeah. Um, and communications devices and whatnot. But they, they've never thought of themselves as a company that sells hardware. What they sell is an experience. Right. An experience touches that emotional nerve, that emotional place. Hardware, not so much. Yep. Yep. Those guys, those cats are brilliant at it. Yeah. Yeah. Which is why they're worth a gazillion dollars. (laughs) That's true. Yeah. Another, what was it? Another trillion this year alone in terms of market value. Um, Yeah. There's definitely some things to learn uh, from there. No question. This has been fantastic, David. I want to uh, take a couple of minutes here at the end and ask you a question that I ask every guest. And there's, uh, as is the case with any of the questions I ask, there's no right or wrong here. And feel free to go as surface level or as deep as you care to. But oh, I you always know ask, that's dangerous, man. Yeah, that's well, dangerous. fair enough. <laughs> um, uh, lessons learned over your personal and professional career that may be valuable for people to hear um, on this podcast today. Again, it can be anything related to what we've talked about today or not. I think there's a couple of lessons. The first is that we are all blessed beyond belief. And as you start down a road of an enterprise or you start figuring out marketing, there's so much on the table in front of you. People typically go and look for other solutions elsewhere. And oftentimes the solutions or the things they need are right in front of them. So that's, mm-hmm. that's one thing I think that that's really important to understand. Second of all, um, we've all seen the, the little two-part diagram um, that shows a graph and it says life as you expected it to be, and it's a straight line. And then life is, as it happens. Um, I think my favorite quote is it didn't work out the way I planned and that's okay. Yeah. As you go through this journey, sometimes Life gives you curveballs, and sometimes you just have these aha moments. But you have to follow what you love to do, and you have to do it honestly and truthfully. And finally, I think, is that um, the journey isn't what it's about. It's about the people that you meet along the way in that journey. Mm. And I know that sounds candy-coated and trite and, you know, maybe almost diabetic. But at the end of the day, you know, as I said, I've, I've made a lot of trips around the sun. Um, and I, I think the, the friends that you make and, and the interpersonal experiences that you have are really what for me drives me and keeps me going day to day. Well, I will tell you, uh, you've had a few more trips around the sun than I have, but in the, in the ones that I've had and every succeeding one, I I hadn't thought about, I hadn't thought about it that way. Because you always talk about, you know, the value or, you know, it's in the journey, in the journey, in the journey. But the one constant and the one common denominator that's always true within the journey is the people that you meet. And they may change. Um, but it's the people and the relationships that you create and that you meet. And so I, I hadn't considered it from that point of view, but I think that is profound. And, and I will say with every year that passes, it becomes less about the stuff and it becomes less about the journey for the journey's sake. And it really does come back to who am I meeting and what type of experiences are we having together? Yeah. That's really, that's really what it's about. I mean, you, you and I share a a rather goofy friend who's a highly talented videographer, but he is honest to God, the silliest human being on the face of God's green earth. And I just, he drives me nuts sometimes, but I love him and I love being around him because I always feel better after I've been around him. 
Don't yeah. tell him I said that. Um, <laughs> well, it's, 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 it's recorded forever now, David. Oh my, now I'm in trouble. <laughs> now I'm in trouble. But you know what? You he know, has to know, he has to know you're talking about him. You haven't named him yet. So you're good. That's true. That's true. And I'm not, and I'm not, I'm not going to name him because yeah. he knows who he is. Right. That's true. But, but, but that's, that's, you know, friends are the chocolate chips and the cookies of life, right? That's, yeah. that, that's really what makes the world go around. The rest of it is ephemeral. It comes, it goes, there's business, there's not business. We're all smart people. If you started a business, you're smart. You can make a buck. You can figure it out. Yeah. But the, the, the businesses come and go and the bucks come and go, but the people that you meet along the way are really the treasure. Yeah. Um, I can't think of a better way to end the podcast. So that is absolutely phenomenal. Um, I appreciate you being here. I do want to make sure that if people want to get in touch with you, they want to engage with you, if they want to work with you, if they may have clients that they need to refer to you, um, what's the best way for them to enter into the world of the Saltzman Group or David Saltzman? Well, there's, there's two ways. You can go to the website, which is the Saltzman Group, S-A-L-T-Z-M-A-N Group, all one word, or you can email me directly at david at thesaltzmangroup.com. Fantastic. And obviously, we'll make sure all of that information um, is in the show notes as well, so you all can reach out to David directly. David, uh, sincerely, um, it's been I, I am truly honored and blessed to have you as one of those people that is on my journey that I that I I have the honor of calling a friend. So thank you so much for being on. And I'm looking forward to uh, our meeting coming up in just a couple of weeks. The feeling's mutual and bring your silly friend. I, I will make sure that he is there. Alcohol, Good, alcohol is in our future. Well, it, with him, it has to be because that, no, that's you, <laughs> you get up on the table and you jump off and hope you damage yourself on the way down. You know, it's <laughs> fair enough. That is fantastic. God, thanks so much for the invitation. The conversation has been great. I appreciate it. Now back at you, sir. I look forward to having you on in the future. And thank you again for carving out the time and sharing so much wisdom with everybody today. My uh, pleasure. Thank you for consulting with authority. Everyone. This is Scott Cantrell as always wishing you the best of success. Thank you for listening. I hope you got a ton of value out of this episode. And before we go, I want to thank the sponsor of our show, Smart Solutions Media. Smart Solutions Media empowers business owners, consultants, and other independent professionals to easily attract better prospects and transform them into long-term clients. If you're a B2B consultant or service professional and would like to start filling your pipeline with better quality prospects, visit us on the web at smartsolutionsmedia.com to learn more about what we can do to help you. Be sure to complete this short two-minute accelerated growth scorecard you can find on the website and you'll receive a complimentary strategy session where we'll give you specific insights and recommendations to help you attract high-value clients. Until next time, make sure you are consulting with authority.